Welcome back, everybody. In case you can't tell, I'm like stumbling around to get ready right before the recording started. Dominic just thrusted me into the into the deep end here. I'm I'm sitting there looking at the deep end of the water, and Dominic shoves me in 12 feet deep. No life preserver. It's the below average Joe's MMA podcast. We're it's back. Monday, the start of a brand new week, episode 129. There you go. Now we got to do this right off the top. Dominic, um, I, I am. Uh, it's unfortunate that I have to report to the viewers today that um, I am co-hosting a podcast with a psychopath. Man, um, you, you keep telling yourself that. I am. Co- I, I'm looking for a new co-host. Um, let's put it that way. Um, so, Dominic, would you like to roll out the the scene here, or do you want me to? Yeah. Do it? So simply. Congratulations, first off, <laughs> to Tiago Santos and I think fiance, but definitely girlfriend, Yana Kuniskaya. Mm-hmm. They have announced that they are pregnant. They will be expecting their first child together. Shout out to Tiago yeah. Santos, who we're going to discuss on Wednesday's episode. And of course, Yana Kuniskaya just fought uh, last month in a tough fight against uh, Irene Aldana. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's who it was. Um, so shout out to them. And uh, I just want to show everyone right now, I'm going to get my side out first because I've already introduced this. Ladies and gentlemen, for anyone listening on an audio-only platform, continue to listen if you want. But then come over to YouTube because you're going to have to actually see this. So Yana posted this photograph today. We're recording this on Sunday, August 15th. Mm. She fought on Saturday, July 10th. So just barely over a month ago. And this is her picture. It's not going to look good. I'm already, you guys can kind of see it. Just go look up Yana on Twitter. But you'll see there's a pretty large bump already. Therefore, meaning that she was likely in the very early stages of being pregnant already last month when she fought Irene Aldana. Wow. That's all I was telling Noah before. I, I can't. And he's going off on me. I don't know. Why. I, I can't believe you just said that with a straight face. Like you just told all the viewers that. Like you just admitted what I, a psychopath. I need was. everyone to roast Noah in the comments <laughs> and let him know okay. that if you are pregnant for one month, your stomach does not have a bump like that. Okay. Okay. Hold on. Hold on here. First off, the bump isn't that big. I'm it's gonna... way bigger than one month pregnant. Uh, let's see what's more likely here. Okay. To the viewers, what's more She's likely? Painting me to be the bad guy. People. That she has a slightly larger than usual bump for one month, or that am I am I doing this right? Or did she that she fought pregnant in the octagon? I want you guys to tell I'm me what's sure more there likely. Are cutoffs, Noah. Like if she had just began pregnancy within the first few weeks before that fight, I'm sure it would still be allowed. Dominic, this is the you're not winning this argument. Like it's the most absurd right. argument I've ever heard. Right. Let's be clear here. Dominic is Just claiming look at the photo. That's Dominic all. is claiming that a that a fighter fought while pregnant, took body shots, everything. She did take a lot of shots in that fight. I'm just I'm sorry, but that's that just doesn't happen. All right. Anything else you want to say? Do you want to? Do you want to? No. Do you think OJ did it? Like, what's else? What else do you want to put out there? Just 
Congratulations, Tiago Santos, Kunitskaya. <laughs> That's the main storyline here. Well, I have another. Well, thing we didn't even throw up a headline yet. We, but that was our intro to the episode. <laughs> uh, let me also put another, something else out there. Um, yes, as you can tell, if you're watching this on YouTube, yes, I am wearing the same shirt from Friday's episode. But I have a reason for that. I'm not just some stinky boy that wears the same clothes every day. All right, but people. It's the first time that I'm living in an apartment that requires coins in order to do my laundry. Oh. And, you know, you don't realize, like, how much you're – I'm kind of in my own generation. I don't carry cash. I literally pay everything on a card. Mm. And because of that, you don't really realize how much of an inconvenience that can be until you need coins. Because <laughs> not only do I not have coins, I don't have cash to break to get to coins. get coins. Yes, so it's a and much it's, longer process. And we're recording on Sunday when I was going to do laundry, and the bank's closed. The bank's closed. <laughs> yeah. So I'm pretty much just shit out of luck. So I was yeah. like, well, gave a little, gave a little, little He's making sure test. checking the boxes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little sniff test, and I was like, you know what? I think we can do it. So Wednesday, basically Noah's saying expect a different shirt. That's what he's saying. (laughs) Exactly. Um, But, yeah, uh, I guess that's pretty much it for the intro. Let's get into some fight announcements. That that was, wow. We've had a lot of episodes, and I'll tell you what, (laughs) that was one of those crazier intros we've had. uh, Comment below or leave a voice message and let us know what's more likely, that Yana Kunitskaya um, is more than one month pregnant or that – she wait, God, I keep doing this wrong. Comment She's below. More than one month pregnant. No, no, no. Comment she below. What's more likely? I want, I want the viewers to let us know what's more likely that she fought while pregnant or that she is has a slightly, slightly, slightly larger bump for a one month old, one month pregnant. <laughs> Whatever you le- let us know As your you thoughts. Tell, we know a lot about pregnancy. So <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, not a dad. Just to be okay. clear, so, okay. um, so this is not this is not our wheelhouse. But apparently, Dominic's an expert. All of a sudden, whatever. Okay. I guess he's an OBGYN. You know how okay. it goes. Well, we got a fight announcement. <laughs> we have one fight announcement. Yep, and it comes from Bellator, which you know, Bellator had a big big weekend last weekend. So. Um, a lot of them in this episode, but it starts with Yoel Romero has been cleared to return yes. to action, and he's going to do so on September 18th at Bellator 266 in a headliner with Phil Davis. Mm. A very interesting bout here because Phil Davis, maybe some newer fans might not remember, but he is a UFC veteran. Mm-hmm. Um, guy was really a perennial top Five, top six, top seven, light heavyweight during his time in the UFC. And in Bellator, he's sort of been the same. Um, yeah. I don't believe he's held a title in Bellator. He's still kind of just been a perennial top guy, not quite able to get the win necessary to push him into a title fight or anything like that, but a very competitive fighter. And we know Yoel Romero. Uh, one of the all-time UFC fighters that never won a belt as a yep. middleweight, since signed with Bellator, supposed to make his debut in the light heavyweight Grand Prix. Then there was he wasn't able to get medically cleared. There was a lot of speculation. Nothing really came out until now. It's just he's good to go, and yep. now this fight's taking place. Dominic, what do you expect here from these two? And um, 
are you is there any expectations we should have for maybe does Yoel Romero have the longevity to is this is this maybe a one and done for your Romero like we don't know really what the health issues were to begin with and um how bad they might be to the point where is this going to be like every fight he might be battling doctors to get cleared here yeah. I'm really excited to see what he looks like at 205 without a weight cut because we know that in the UFC at middleweight, he had his fair share of run-ins with some weight cut issues and title fights and non-title fights. So that's what I'm most intrigued for at first, his physique, how he performs at 205 with essentially probably not much of a weight cut. I'm sure he's still losing a few pounds because he's a big guy, but still. Um, And then the matchup itself against Phil Davis, I think that is still a perfect welcome to this top-tier of the light heavyweight division. If I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong because it kind of started a while ago. Phil Davis was in the Grand Prix, right, and got eliminated? Or did yeah. he welcome Corey Anderson? Um, Phil Davis, no, he didn't welcome – he was in the Grand Prix. He lost okay. to, um, I believe it was Ryan Bader. Okay, okay. So a guy that was in the Grand Prix, <laughs> um, he's been around the top of the division here, never, you know, as the champion or anything, kind of the same when he was in the UFC. So I think it's a good uh, welcome for the – for Yoel Romero, I was about to say for the UFC. Um, so I mean, I'm very excited. Hopefully it stays together. Hopefully everything's good on Yoel's end from a health uh, perspective. And I'm excited they're going to get a five-round main event slot too. And it's only a few weeks away, so uh, all signs are pointing toward a great showcase for really each man. But a lot of people are excited to see Yoel, myself, and you included. I want to offer a correction about um, Phil Davis. Man, yeah, about Phil Davis. He lost to Vadim Nemkov. Okay, the current the champion. So, so he did fight for the light heavyweight title, yeah. and he is a former Bellator light heavyweight champion. He actually won the belt um, from Liam McGeary, which was the um, – okay, it wasn't a Grand Prix or anything. Won the belt. That was November 2016. Mm-hmm. In his very next bout, he would lose the belt to Ryan Bader via split decision – Okay. Um, ultimately lost another split decision later to Vadim Nemkov, not for a belt. So him and Nemkov fought twice. That's why it was billed, you know, yeah. it was their second fight. But regardless, he has a win over Leo Machida, Bellator, Linton Vassal, another good guy, um, Muhammad Lawal. He's, and then UFC, he had wins over Leo Machida again, Glover Teixeira, yeah. um, Noguera, Tim Bosch. Uh, Gustafson. He's got a good I mean, yeah, that's a great resume. Yeah. I mean, he, he really is like one of those underappreciated guys. And some of that is probably because his style was never very fan friendly, a bit grapple heavy, a bit more of a control top position fighter, but you got to respect the athleticism that guy has. He's, he's quite the freak athlete when he puts it all together, but he's going up against the genetic freak. (laughs) Yeah, um, that's I'm about sure. to start. I'm about to start using words that they used to describe Scott Steiner with back in the day with your Romero Freakzilla. He is single-handedly defeated Father Time, Yoel Romero. Has. <laughs> yeah, and um, I'm very excited just to see how Yoel Romero looks here because at this point, I don't know what kind of Yoel Romero I'm getting here. Even the promotional picture. Did you notice the the picture that they? that they put together like a, almost like a poster yeah, type deal. The image was a bit odd. Um, Yoel didn't look great in it. And yeah. I don't know if that's just, you know. Hopefully it's the pose. 
Right, but I mean, even the whole thing that everybody assumed was the issue was his eye, because you yeah. know Israel Adesanya had those really cryptic post-fight yeah. thoughts about um, how the left side of his body just didn't seem to react the same, or I don't know how it was worded, but in the picture, one of Yoel's left eye is like more shut than his right one. Mm-hmm. Very odd. So, again, I'm very curious to see what we see from Yoel here. Um, the last time we saw him was in that title fight against Israel Adesanya, which is kind of crazy. Kind of assumed yeah, he had fought since know. then. That's true. And that was a very um, disappointing, <laughs> yeah, disappointing yeah. performance. So um, hopefully he comes out here and looks to really make a statement. Um, why Why I pose that question, though, is because, again, if he comes in here and wins, is there a chance that he's just going to have to retire? Because is this going to be – is these medical issues that he's dealing with, are we going to, I mean, not being medically cleared for an MMA bout is not the, like, I mean, that's not the most reassuring thing in the world. Yeah, I mean, that means you've got some pretty serious health issues. I mean, that's that doesn't happen all the time, you know. Yeah. So um, for him to go through that, it, it just makes me wonder, like, is this going to always be an issue? Hopefully not. Hopefully he'll have this fight and then, He'll continue to have maybe big fights with some of the other big top light heavyweights in Bellator. And that's the other factor here. He is not cutting weight for the first time seemingly forever. And he really struggled with getting down to middleweight. So I actually expect him to be um, probably more explosive. I want to see how his power is. I wouldn't say faster, but just I think his speed won't – I think for what he'll – make up for and power will be greater than what he'll lose in his speed. So I look forward to seeing how he looks. Absolutely. That's all for our fight announcements. And we're going to kick it straight to Bellator 264. Yes. Headlined by Gegard Mousasi, who put on a hell of a performance with the TKO win over John Salter round three, two minutes, seven seconds in headline as it, as it reads, Musasi shows no sign of slowing down. 36 years old. Mm-hmm. A very impressive win here over a guy who, in Salter, who came out the gate and really tried to bring it to him. Yeah, really looked tried, good in round one. Salter yeah, shot, shot a lot. Really tried to get the fight to his wheelhouse as we thought he should do. Yep. Um, but then it just appeared that Musasi was just a level above. And once mm-hmm. Musasi made those adjustments, it was pretty clear that he was just a better fighter um, yeah. overall. And I'll let you give your thoughts, but I also want to pose a question to you here. It, it seems pretty obvious. Austin Vanderford yeah. will yeah. be next. Um, what do you think of that matchup? And where does Gegard Musasi stack up if you get rid of promotions in terms of just world-wide middleweights? Yeah. Um, well, the performance itself overcame early adversity, as we mentioned in round one. It was really all John Salter in the first round. Mm-hmm. But then Musasi, being the veteran that he is, I mean, he's now 48-7, and seven, which is just insane <laughs> as his professional record. Yeah. Um, bounces back in the second round and then gets the finish ultimately in the third. Looked great, stayed composed the whole time, made the right adjustments, as Noah mentioned. He looked incredible, a great title defense there. Him versus Austin Vanderford is the rightful next fight. They had him get into the cage together, kind of do a face-off, which is cool. Mm-hmm. You don't really see that ever in the UFC like they used to do back in the day. But Bellator does it quite a bit still. So uh, 
I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why the UFC doesn't do it. The last time they did was Brock Lesnar. Yeah. And, he's, and he nearly broke Joe Rogan's hand. That's it was a WWE uh, like skit, is what it looked like. But <laughs> yeah. um, for Vanderford, the undefeated uh, phenom, he's uh, a phenomenal wrestler, a great grappler, uh, much more, I think, well-rounded on the ground than what John Salter was. So I feel he will come out with kind of a similar game plan, but be a, a much stronger presence than what Salter presented. So I think it is a tough fight, uh, and it's obviously the biggest fight of Austin Vanderford's life as well. And last but not least, in terms of middleweights across the board right now, across these great promotions organizations, Jaguard Musasi, he's still right up there at the top. I mean, I look at middleweight specifically. We have a big middleweight headliner that we're going to talk about Friday with mm-hmm. Jared Cannonier and Kelvin Gaslam. You've got Robert Whitaker. You've got Israel Adesanya. Um, but, man, the way Jaguard looks, and he's, what, 6-1 and one now in Bellator. He's their champion. He was a strike force champion. He was incredible in the UFC. For goodness sakes, when he got cut from the UFC and came to Bellator, he was on a four-fight win streak when he chose to sign with Bellator, which is crazy. So uh, I think he is 100% still within, if I got to give a ballpark number, he's a top eight, if not top five middleweight in the world right now still, regardless of promotion. Incredible performance, uh, and I can't wait to see him versus Vanderford. I think that's going to be an awesome fight. Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth or the, the words that I typed out to you yesterday. <laughs> well, um, yeah. I do look at Gayard Musasi as still a top five. I, and, you know, it's hard to – I mean, that, that's a big it's a big statement when you really think about it because middleweight division in the UFC is very competitive. It's very good at the top. But I look at it like Israel Adesanya, level above. And then I would even say Robert Whitaker, probably a level above the rest. But, but then after that – it's but then after close. that, I really think he falls in line with the Jared Cannoneers, with yeah. the Paulo Costas, the um, Vittori's, yeah, Vittori's, Hermanson, yeah. even Gastelum, guys like that. I really think he, he's very competitive in that group. Darren Till, another yeah. one. Um, you know, it's it's unproven. You know, you don't really know. But, but when he left the UFC, he was deserving of a title shot, even though I don't know how close he was to getting it, but he was – you like you said four fight winning streak. Um, yeah. I believe was his last loss. Uh, it's not going to be that one. But I mean, he's a guy that lost, like had a really freak loss to Uriah Hall, where he yeah the flying knee yeah, or that, something I nasty. I don't think that was the last loss he had. That was that was a while back. But you know, he comes back and rematches Uriah Hall you know, again. Yeah. yeah, so he's um. He's still just showing me a lot here, even at 36 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, to his, uh, it seemed like everybody recognized how big he is for this division. So, like when he was beaten up on Lima in the last fight, a lot of that in people's eyes was, "Oh, Musasi's just so much bigger," which is true. But I think Musasi is just that damn good He's, too. Yes. And here against Salter, who is a very specialized talent, arguably had the most elite skill in the octagon. I don't know, but uh, I mean, Musashi's kickboxing. Saying, uh, yeah, but I mean, his 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 ability in the submissions is very, very good. Yeah. And despite some early adversity, because Salter was very aggressive out the gate, mm-hmm. Musasi did what champions do, like Kamaru Usman you saw against Gilbert Burns, things yep. like that. They make those mid-fight adjustments, and then – as soon as they adjust, and if John Salter's not adjusting at that they same turn rate, it on, man. then in the, the 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 scales flip or whatever. Yeah. 
Um, so very impressed there. Really looking forward to him versus Vanderford. I'm I'm very curious to see how Vanderford um, holds up in that fight mm-hmm. because it's a huge st- step up for him. You know, not that he hasn't earned his title shot, just it's the same story to me in some ways that we had with this fight where Musasi will be 48 and seven going into that fight. He'll be looking for his third defense of the Bellator middleweight championship while Vanderford is got not near that amount of experience. And this will be the, by far biggest Biggest fight of his career. So some guys will shine under those bright lights and some won't. And I'll just be curious to see how Vanderford holds up because Bellator could have something there with yeah. Austin Vanderford if he's able to, you know, make do. Not just because of his relationship with Paige Van Zandt, but that doesn't hurt. Just uh, he definitely has the look, the skill set, the youth of and he's, a potential star for Bellator. Yeah, he, he's one of those guys that have essentially started super early in his career with Bellator, and they've molded him <laughs> like an AJ McKee, even like a Pitbull. So he's another one of those guys undefeated. It's going to be a good fight. Mm. Let's move into the feature bout of Bellator 264. This one probably surprised a lot of people as Rafael Stotts gets the win over Magomed Magomedov via unanimous decision. This fight, uh, man, it it really just – they put the pace on one another. It was exhausting to watch. You know, it's it's kind of what I expected, two guys that are are very capable and used to going the full distance, Mm -hmm. and they were trying to – use that as like a weapon in itself on one another. And instead you just got almost like a race to the finish in a way. Yeah. Um, I was very impressed with both guys. I put young Bantamweights here because they're still so young that they're like prospects, but they're contenders. Yeah, exactly. So Rafael Stotts just might've cashed in his ticket to get a title shot with Sergio Pettis. Yeah. And you know what? I think he deserves it. He was completely, yeah, which, which, um, actually that was interesting and we'll talk about that, but, um, I just want to give him his due because I think a lot of people here were counting him out because we know Magomed Magomedov, where he comes from, not in, in just how good he is, but that, that Russian heritage that has been so dominant recently in the UFC and other promotions, I think most people completely counted out Stotts in this fight. I don't know if the odds really said that. You know, I don't know what the betting lines were like, but and obviously these guys were neck and neck in the rankings. So for a lot of hardcore Bellator fans, maybe you kind of knew this yeah. fight was very close. But I think for a lot of people, they would they would just assume Magomedov was going to shine here, and Stotts ends up being Shut the one. Down. Mm-hmm. That really put together the complete performance here. Yep. So give me your thoughts on this fight. I thought it was a lot of fun. But also um, the question here, because as you just mentioned, Stotts and the Bellator Bantamweight champion, Sergio Pettis, are teammates. Post-fight, Stotts did not seem super keen on the idea of fighting his teammate, but rather seemed more interested on the idea of doing a Bantamweight Grand Prix and joining through that and getting like a million dollars type deal. Yeah. So where do you think Stotts goes from here? Do you think he does kind of end up fighting Sergio, or do you think 
he I mean, do we even know for sure if there'll be a Bantamweight Grand Prix? Like a lot right. of questions here. Or does Stotts kind of get passed up for someone more willing to fight right away? Um, so the fight itself, as we kind of mentioned when we introed this fight, was super exhausting. The pace both guys set was insane. And it goes to show like when two guys come to grapple, it can be just as entertaining as two guys that come to bang it out on the feet. And not that these guys didn't strike as well, but it was just so much technique in all areas of this fight. And, of course, Magomed's game plan, as we know, is to come out and grapple, grapple, grapple. And I said on Friday that I thought it was going to be very hard for Stotts to get a decision victory over a guy with a style like Magomed Magomedov. But, boy, was I wrong because he comes out and gets a clean sweep, uh, a 30-27, at least on two judges' scorecards, if not all three. And he really shut down all of the offensive grappling that Magomed wanted. He had great defensive techniques. He was able to get out of submissions transition into top position he would get uh submission attempts against magomed it was very fast as i said very technical and it was a pleasure to watch stats really put on an incredible performance for magomed too i just want to mention he'll be back i don't doubt that at all he will be fighting for a championship in his career but for rafian stouts stats after a performance like that i'd love to see him go right into that title fight with pettis i know it probably sucks when they're training partners they're fighting out of rufus sport there but uh, I think it's an incredible fight. Sergio paid his dues through the UFC. Stocks has paid his dues now in Bellator. I mean, the only loss on his record was against Marab Davalishvili years ago. And now he's been on a tear in Bellator. So I think it is the fight to make rather than trying to go through a Grand Prix. And I like the sentiment of how he was like, oh, I'll just fight Magomed again. I'll beat him again. I'll run through the whole division. I'll prove I'm the best bantamweight in the world. And even went on to say he already feels he is the best bantamweight in the world. So as much as I respect it, I think you go straight into that title fight. I think it's a great fight between him and Pettis. And then maybe you could even do like the former champ Juan Archuleta against Magomed Magomedov. Something like that I think would be super fun. So, uh, yes, I'm not opposed to a Grand Prix because they are fun. But I'd say straight into the title fight with Sergio is what I would pick. Yeah, I respect that sentiment. I just don't think that's what's going to end up happening. Based on the post-fight comments, it did not seem at all to me like there was any room for a fight there, at least unless Grand Prix and then, you know, they meet in the finals or something or semifinals. But based on that, I really think, unfortunately, Stotts could end up getting passed over here for either maybe a rematch with Archuleta or – um, maybe one of these other contenders. Um, maybe he ends up doing another fight with Magomedov. I, I don't see that. I could see Stotts getting a fight with Archuleta um, mm-hmm. or something like that. I just I don't see the title fight that should happen here being the one that ends up happening, at least not right away, which is kind of what we want to see because yeah. Pettis should be ready to fight here in a few months, and Stotts, I don't think, suffered too many injuries here, so he should be good to go. But – you probably won't get the introduction of a Grand Prix for at least, what, six, seven, eight months from now. And if Stotts and Pettis can't come to terms on, you know, fighting one another, I think Bellator might end up having to push over him and kind of just get someone in there. Yeah. And I I think if you see this fight, it's just not going to be as soon as people want it based on this was kind of the crowning of a number one contender and, and you're, and the guy you crowned, Kind of said I didn't want it. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's kind of what it felt like to me. But any final thoughts on that? Mm-mm. All right, let's move into the PFL. 
as uh, week one yeah. of their playoffs took place. And I said I wanted it to go smoothly for them, and I would say for the most part it did, but we'll get into all of that. So I think here we're not going to go fight by fight necessarily. I think we're just going to give kind of what our thoughts were overall, um, anything that stuck out to us. Yeah, so I'm going I'm to let you start here. What performances stuck out to you? What moments here stuck out to you? Were there any fights in particular that you really enjoyed or I'll go ahead and throw in found controversial and go ahead and just give me your thoughts of week one here. Um, so I'll, I'll do three, three things. Best performance, Ray Cooper the third. Absolutely dominated Rory McDonald for three full rounds, earned his way into the welterweight finals matchup. He looked incredible, utilized a perfect game plan to go against everything Rory can throw at him, grappled, and just was so much stronger. He really looked great. And it's going to be his third straight finals that he's been in for the Grand Prix, but he's not won it yet. So I'll be curious to see if Ray Cooper can finally reach the top of that mountain. Um, The best fight Luik Radzabov and Alexander Martinez. That was an absolute war for three straight rounds. I really enjoyed watching that one, especially with the PFL's very unique broadcast style and all of the unique technological features they do. It was just really neat, and the fight was just an absolute war. And then, last but not least, there was a bit of controversy. Unfortunately, as great as these PFL cards have been, there have been little notches of controversy and it sucks even worse in the PFL because one wrong judge's decision could keep you out of your chance of winning $1 million. And unfortunately, that is what happened with Clay Collard here as he loses a decision to Roush Manfio. And it was a fight that I thought was as clear a 2-1 as you could have. And you could argue he even won 3-0. Round three was really close. I scored it for Manfio. I digress. It was a clear 2-1 to me. The judges saw it otherwise. And uh, now Clay Collard, who has a great story, was fighting for his uh, late brother. And it was looking so good. Chris Boxing, he's always in fun fights, loses here in a very controversial way. And now his chance at $1 million, life-changing moments and money, is down the drain. So you just hate to see it, man. Um, You know, my hat's off still to Manfio for doing a hard-fought battle. But if you're Clay Collard, that's just heartbreaking to see as a fan. And if you're him, I can't even imagine. So uh, I'm curious to see your thoughts on that as well. Yeah, I'll start with that fight since that's kind of what we're segueing here. And, yeah, it's unfortunate because the the model for the PFL makes it worse when these, yeah. these screwy decisions happen. I'm arguably worse, I guess. I mean, I, I the, the, the show money and stuff for PFL is not going to be um, a lot compared yeah. to you know the other big promotions i would say you know ultimately you're fighting for a chance to get that million dollar prize yeah but here you you're right clear as a 2-1 decision as you can get and i was pretty shocked when manfio got his hand raised yeah as it seemed <laughs> collard and a lot of other people were too um yeah it's this has been kind of the one thing that's plagued this pfl season for me Mm -hmm. it's just and it's a reality of all promotions but again i think it sticks out to me more in the pfl because of the the way the set the setup and whatnot fabricio verdun being a big signing and his debut gets completely botched due to a poor referee just that was more of a referee's end but then you had 
the Rory McDonald Gleason Tebow decision that I thought was egregious. That one I still thought was worse, but oh yeah, this one Clay Collard. You know he had a great story going in here, which shouldn't affect judges' scorecards, but mm-hmm. it makes it even worse when you feel he gets screwed over. Yeah, considering what he was fighting for and how good he looked, yes. and he doesn't really get the benefit of that. So, no doubt in my mind, Collard will be back and potentially could have bigger opportunities ahead. Um, Manfio will be going up against Loic Radzavov, correct? Yes. And um, that should be a dogfight, in my opinion, so that'll be fun. But then I'm going to actually talk about Magomed, Magomed Karimov, because I already told you guys. I told you guys, Ray Cooper III, don't sleep on him. And he came in here and put a beating on Rory McDonald that even I didn't expect. I thought these Mm -hmm. two would go to war instead. Cooper kind of put the beat down on Rory. And because of that, he's going to be pretty fresh, in my opinion, going in to the finals. And let's be honest here. And he'll need it. <laughs> this, yeah, because Magomed, Magomed Karimov is a dangerous, dangerous man. And he looked fantastic and gets Sabadu Sai here. Yeah. Now, this was uh, – Sai was the kind of – the odd man out, if you will, not supposed to be – wouldn't normally have been a guy in the playoffs, but due right. to – number one seed, not being able to compete. He gets brought in as a number five. Is that correct, Dom? Am I- yeah, it was that whole Gleason T-Bow situation yeah. that you and I talked about. It's all kind very, of very odd. Yeah. But because of that, he gets to step in here. But Magomed Karimov is very impressive. I'm very oh, much man. excited to see this fight with him and Ray Cooper. Man, I didn't know that. Ray Cooper, three third straight finals for the PFL, but he's looking for his first victory. Yep. yep. I, you know, that makes me want to root for him. But man, Magomed Karimov is a grinder. And, you know, Cooper showed a little bit of that in his fight, too. So we could be in for quite the dogfight in the I finals. Agree. But um, those two were the ones that were the most impressive. So I think this welterweight finals is stacking up to be a classic. Yes. And that's what I'm excited for. While the lightweight finals is a bit of a whimper going in here, even though, uh, Radzabob did have an awesome fight. So yes, I just want to give him credit there. Um, let's move into the preview. What? Yeah, this is we're making history on the show again. <laughs> yeah, so first time we're doing this on the show. This is because the uh week two of the PFL playoffs will be airing on Thursday, ah. which we record on Thursdays and yeah. release that those previews on Friday. So the timing's not gonna work out this week for us to um, wait till Friday to talk about PFL. Yeah. So instead, we're going to talk about week two here. And there's one big reason for that, isn't there? Our girl. That's because Kayla Harrison, our best friend, our neighbor, <laughs> yep. she's back and she's the number two seed here, which is kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. Going up against Jenna Fabian. And then you got um, the heavyweight semifinals are taking place as well on this yep. card. So once again, I think we're just going to kind of walk through here and just whatever sticks out to us. And to me, the story for week two is you got two dominant players that, in my opinion, if they don't win their entire tournament year, then it's a disappointment for them. And that's Kayla Harrison for the women's lightweights, of course, and Bruno Capeloza for the heavyweights. A lot of people are going to be maybe – 
unaware of Bruno yeah. here in the P. You know, he's not necessarily been high placement on a lot of these cards, but the guy has been racking up great performances and even had like a twenty-piece combo in one of his fights that kind of went viral. It was fucking yeah. insane. So, in my opinion, these two are the clear number ones in their respective divisions, and anything less than a victory here and ultimately a victory in the finals is going to have to be a disappointment for both of them, probably more so for Kayla, just because, you know, how much credit she's been given. But in my opinion, Bruno Capaloza has shown to be a level above the rest of the heavyweights. So those are very short, clear-cut thoughts for me. What say you, Dom? Yeah, so for Bruno specifically, I'm actually glad you mentioned him. The guy is on, you know, is just tears through competition, I should say. His record is only 12 and 5, but all 12 of those wins are via knockout, Noah. He loves to come in and bang. He mentioned the incredible, like, 20-piece combo. I couldn't even keep up with it when I was watching it live. So uh, I think that's going to be a very fun fight. Of course, our neighborhood friend, uh, Kayla Harrison, coming in to not only try and win her second um, or get to her second final position to become the PFL champion, win the tournament, the million dollars, but keep that perfect record intact. And she just seems this year to just have this chip on her shoulder of wanting mm-hmm. to prove that I, you know, I can't help the organization I'm in right now and what the competition they're giving me. So whoever they give me, I'm just going to absolutely crush and dominate. And I'm going to let you know, I feel I'm the best fighter in the world. So I really like that. Although she's so far ahead, right, in the PFL anyways, and she's undefeated, the two-time Olympic gold medalist, all the accolades, a former champion in PFL, and she just seems as hungry as ever to just prove doubters wrong, as if there are any doubters. I don't know. Well, I think think a part of that has got to be for Kayla that coming in here, it's she recognizes that each fight she's going in here – is an opportunity to put on a showcase for potential future employers like the UFC, like Bellator. So that would be what I would say, but continue. Yeah, so um, of course that's obviously a huge storyline. And then to bounce directly off that, the other women's uh, lightweight semifinal, we see the number one seed in Larissa Procchio. The only two times she's lost in the PFL was to Kayla Harrison, one of which being in the 2019 finals to win the belt and the championship. And she absolutely tears through people. She's been a dominant force this year uh, in their tournament. She's finished 14 out of her 15 wins. And so I think she's going to, of course, look to come in, not only get another dominant performance, but the storyline here for Larissa is, okay, this time, if I get Kayla again, I'm going to prove. I'm going to shock the world, and I'm going to beat her. And I feel like that's kind of the story that you can build off of her if you're the PFL and she showed no reason to slow down. She could easily come in here and steamroll her opponent, uh, Taylor Guadardo. She's only got three professional fights in Taylor, so definitely a tough matchup for her. However, she is 2-0 in the PFL, so I know that'll fly more under the radar than Kayla, but I just had to mention that there is a storyline should those two find each other matched up in the uh, finals again for the women's lightweight title. Is that how you pronounce Larissa's last name? Or were you just taking a guess? Because I think it's Pacheco. 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 I, think it's, I think it's Pacheco. Pacheco. I'm sorry. However, I butchered. No, it's it's. I just wanted to make sure that I wasn't. Fucked. Pacheco. I, I could. I it could, I could be wrong, but I like the sound of Pacheco. Yes. So I think um, it's so weird because it, everybody's excited for the 
final to potentially be Kayla versus Larissa Pacheco. Yeah. But Kayla's already proven multiple times that she's been better. And I fully respect that, you know, should not count her out because imagine, I mean, it's hard to beat someone three times in a row. They always say that in football. Remember? Yeah. They always say it's hard to beat a team three times in a season. And I think a lot of that applies here because Kayla, yes, I know she is a level above, but, you know, you learn a lot from your losses. Arguably, you learn more from your losses than your wins. And, and Larissa looks like she's getting better. Yes, she does. She's the number one seed here. She's seated yeah. over Kayla Harrison. Now, I know that's um, a They bit literally more. competed on who could finish people quicker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's essentially what we're working with here. So. Um, I am excited to see that fight run back a third time if it happens, but you know both still have to get through their semifinal matchup here. If that fight does end up happening a third time, would I expect uh, Pacheco to win? No, but could she maybe put on some sort of performance that maybe makes people believe she can? Yeah, I think she can do that. It'd be interesting to see Kayla face adversity for the first time prior to her potentially going off to one of these big promotions. Yeah, I will. In terms of her matchup specifically this week with Jenna Fabian, Jenna's obviously like 5'11", six foot tall, so very large in terms mm-hmm. of height, long arms, long legs, and she's a phenomenal striker. But we know that Kayla's such a great grappler. Do you see a potential route where Jenna could maybe pull off the upset, or is Kayla's no. wrestling obviously just going to be so no. – yeah? I'm gonna stop you there. No, I'm just kidding. I get what you're doing. No, I, I, I just, I'm just being honest. Like I just don't. But <laughs> this is where I, it gets dangerous because yeah. um, if you once someone feels as unbeatable as Kayla does in the PFL, that's when she'll lose. That's yeah. that's been the story time and time again for these dominant fighters. Um, for me, I think the key here, though, for why I don't think that'll happen in this fight with Kayla is what you mentioned earlier, even though it's like she's so dominant in this promotion, doesn't appear to have anybody on the same level as her yet. She always comes in with the chip on her shoulder. Mm -hmm. And like I was trying to explain was that I think a lot of that comes from, she's looking at these fights. Like it's a showcase to my next suitor, UFC, Bellator, one FC, whoever they're all watching. So it's like, it's time for me to put on a showcase Show them that she's ready. Um, yeah, and you don't want to count out these opponents because if they put a good shot on you or something, hurt yeah. you, rock you, then people are going to be – if Kayla so much has got rocked or got a round taken from her, I think it would be a lot of like – remember how we felt real weird when Valentina Shevchenko yeah, yeah. lost yeah. a round to Jennifer Maya? That's what I think. It would be that, but probably even more. People would be like, "Oh, she's not ready for the top level competition. You know, yeah. She's just beating cans." You know, people say that. Right. So, she does have a lot of pressure when she goes in there, but I think there's been an increased focus from her management and her on getting that promotion out there. You know, she's been more talkative after fights, yeah. uh, doing a lot of promos. <laughs> yeah, that's um, damn sure she can cut yeah. a good one. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh man, she's she's very much really trying to fill that mold of the superstar that she shows that she can be in the cage. And now she's trying to even talk to talk a little bit outside of it. So um, I do expect similar things here as more eyes will be on the playoffs. And 
hopefully, you know, I, I don't want to say hopefully because, I you know, at the end of the day, whoever wins, wins. But yeah, um, all respect to all four ladies here. But I just think Kayla Harrison's going to do what she does best, and that's going to be run through the competition. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, before we finish the week two preview, I just want to give a shout-out to the other two heavyweight semifinalists. Just give them a little <laughs> shine. So the number uh, two seed, Dennis Golstav, is going up against the number three seed, Ante Delige. Both guys that are humongous people, by the way. Both are six foot five. Both finish fights on the ground and on the feet. I know this is definitely going to be the fight that just of the four semifinals that mm. will not get talked about enough. I just think it does have potential to be a very firework filled out just because they both come out and bang. So shout out to the other two heavyweights as well. Well, how nice of you to give everybody their shine. Yeah. Um, that's going to wrap it up here for the preview portion of our yeah. MMA weekend recap. Uh, let's say you give us your thoughts, give us your predictions for PFL week two playoffs. Let us know who you think is going to win and we will potentially roast your ass if you're wrong on Friday's episode. Yes. Um, so let us know that um, this week is a three episode week. So you'll be getting this episode on Monday, obviously then Wednesday. Fun one. Yeah, this one's fun. Since we did have our year anniversary uh, last week, last mm -hmm. Tuesday, um, we decided that it was time to go back to one of our favorite episodes that we did very early on, an episode yes. maybe most of you don't even know at this point. Um, one of our very first, I think it was our second special episode, mm -hmm. was we were, it was in August, it was around this time. Yeah. And we were looking a year ahead and predicting who each champion would be in each division. Yep. So we're going to go back and look at who we picked um, we've already put those lists together and I can tell Dang you it's going to be, it's going to be pretty funny going over yeah. it. So um, we'll do that. And then we'll make again, again, our predictions for a year from now. I do think we um, we'll talk about this probably off uh, camera, but I do mm -hmm. think we could maybe even include like a dark horse yeah. for each division this year. Um, just cause I think uh, we're realizing that not as many champions fall off year to year. <laughs> I think that was maybe the big takeaway for me um, from last year is that there wasn't as many title changes as you would assume, um, I guess, if you just don't think about it as much as I have. Right. But that's coming Wednesday, Friday, another weekend preview. Cannoneer Gastelum, going to be a fun one. And some Bellator action and again. And Bellator, yeah. So, hey, we're – Keep them hey, coming, guys. I love it. We got we got fights Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I love it, baby. <laughs> I need one FC to come back on TNT, and then we're going to be go. living, living good. Yes, but sir. until then, Dominic, tell the good people where they can find you on social media. Find me on Twitter, on Instagram, at DSLEE14. More importantly, go follow, interact, engage with the podcast on Twitter, on Instagram, at BAJ. Never, ever forget the underscore MMA podcast. <laughs> Yeah, go to BAJ, never, ever, ever. Okay, that's actually not the <laughs> at, but you get it. Uh, for me, Twitter, Instagram, at NT Baker, never, ever, ever forget <laughs> the underscore. Um, but that is, again, at NT Baker underscore on Twitter and Instagram. There's a link in my bio to take you to our link tree, which gives you the links. I need to find a smoother way to do that. That's too many links it's in a row. A link of links. Yeah, there's a link that leads you to links for but the they're links. They're all really good yeah. links. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, 
all those links do showcase all of the platforms our podcast is on. So the YouTube channel links on there, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts for audio versions. And there's a couple links for our Anchor page. Um, shout out to Anchor, sponsor of today's episode. And the links on there for leaving a voice message, like I mentioned earlier. And if you want to become a supporter of the podcast and just donate a, a small little, hey, can I get a dollar twenty-five? That's what I want. Someone get I don't on think there and donate. Option. Donate a dollar ninety-nine. Hey, that's fine. I, I just need to do a load of laundry, people. Yeah, yeah. someone donate just so no one can do his damn laundry. <laughs> but uh, appreciate all the support, everyone. One year plus at this point, going strong. Dominic, I love you. I love you too. That's it. (laughs) That's it. We're out. We'll see you all on Wednesday. And we love you all too.